1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Happy Thursday to you. One week away, NFL Draft will be next Thursday. Of course, Titans Radio will be in my place all week next week. We're all excited because it's going to be right here in Nashville. We'll be downtown amongst all of it. So stick with us. I'll talk about the Titans schedule as well, but we've got to talk about the Predators off the start. My name, by the way, is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. And as always, I like to tell you I am blessed beyond all measure, reasonable and even unreasonable measure. So undeserved, so unearned is the grace that I have received. And I hope that you recognize that in your own life. If you don't, please, by all means, my DMs are open at jmartzone. Would love to have that conversation with you, especially on this Maundy Thursday. So here's what Predators coach Peter Laviolette said last night after the game. I don't think that our guys weren't ready to play. You know what? I wanted to go further with that quote, but i got to stop right there because, Coach, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you there. I'm going to go Bill Lumberg on this thing. Here's the deal. They stunk last night. This was as bad a playoff performance as we've seen. Wherever you want to rank it, it's definitely in the top five. It's probably in the top three. It's as bad as I've ever seen this team play in the postseason. Yes, it got out of control relatively quickly, but they weren't ready to play. There's no question about that. And you know what? I'm going to go even further because, look, and there will be people that send me messages, and they've already done that during the Titans season when I was tough on Marcus Mariota and said, look, you've lost a listener. Because you said X, Y, or Z about Marcus Mariota. We love him. I like him too. But my job's not to sit here and tell you that I like him as a person. It's to evaluate what he's doing. Don't mistake me criticizing the performance for the performer. I don't want to go after people individually and certainly not go after them personally. Because it's, it's real difficult and you start wading into judge territory. And I don't really want to do that because I'm not qualified. That's well above my pay grade. But they stunk last night and they were flat out bad from the start. Here's what you can't do. You can't go penalty, penalty, penalty and, all, and give up three power play goals in the first period. Pecorine was bad last night, but this was not really as much on him. At Look, I've heard a lot of callers today across this radio station that have gone after Pekka. And I've heard some some hosts, some friends of mine, that have gone after Pekka. Pekka Rene had no help in front of him at all. He was also put against the eight ball, dealing with man advantages for the Stars pretty much from the get-go. The defense was not good in front of him. He's dealing with power play after power play after power play. And even though, yeah, you want to see your goaltender stop those, and I told you before, Pecorine is a feast or famine goaltender in the postseason, as we've seen. And I do think that there does tend to be this rush to defend Pekka when he struggles 
in big games. Like he struggled against the Pens and he gives up multiple goals in the Stanley Cup Finals. Or he just has one of those days where he gives up three or four goals and it's, well, it's not really him, it's the guys in front of him. I think it's a mixture of both. You could blame pretty much everybody last night. Because here's the thing, if I'm going to give Pecorine all the credit for what he did in Game 3, which he absolutely deserved, the two go- I can give him the credit or I can give Ben Bishop the credit for the loss for the Stars giving two goals up that he had no business giving up to Grimaldi and to Granlund. But if I'm going to give him all the credit, then I've also got to give him some of the blame. Pekka did not play well last night. He did not have any help. He had one hand tied behind his back really early on in that game. And when I had Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports on with me last night, and we both picked the Preds in six, and I'm going to stick by that, but I don't feel great about it today. We both thought the Stars are going to throw everything they have into this game because they know you go back 2-2, it's best of three. It's best two of three. You go down 3-1, you ain't beating this team three teams in a, three games in a row. I don't care how inconsistent Nashville is. They're not going to drop three to the Dallas Stars. So this was everything for this team. And they had it in front of their crowd. The crowd was still lively just like they were in the third game a couple of days ago. And they got a couple on the board and all of a sudden it was over. But Pred's coach telling me, I don't think our guys were ready to play, or he's saying, I don't think that our guys weren't ready to play. They weren't ready to play. They were outskated. And here, look, Montgomery, the coach of the Stars, said after Game 3, he thought that his team was the better team in this series. And then you start to include the goaltenders, and maybe you don't go that route. But there was no question that in 5-on-5 action... And just pure skating and what we were seeing from most of the guys on the ice, I agreed with Montgomery. And last night it got far worse. There, were, I watched Avs Flames last night. I watched the tail end of the third period and I watched the overtime. Not at one point during this series, including Game 2, have I seen the Predators show even half the intensity I saw from either Calgary or Colorado last night. That was a hell of a hockey game. That was incredibly entertaining stuff. What we got last night was almost unwatchably bad. The Stars were ready to play, and they were out there just playing their guts out, and the Predators just seemed to be... It was basically like a Sunday drive, the equivalent of a Sunday drive on ice for this Nashville team. And so they got absolutely demolished. This thing was not worth watching by the third period. I wasn't watching it. You might have been. 5-0, 5-0, I'm done, all right? I mean, they were playing the Hawaii 5-0 music in the building last night because it got to 5 to nothing. This was a putrid performance across the board. You can't really point to anybody and say, well, that guy played well. That guy played well. That, that guy's not the reason for your loss. Subban's had a good series. I can't say that about him. The defense last night was just not very good. Yossi's goal, whatever. Ryan Johansson, at some point, needs to actually be more aggressive offensively. I know he's doing a lot of commercials on FSTN, and you see see that guy on TV a lot. Likeable dude. I need him to start shooting the puck a little bit more often. Maybe it's not his specialty, but he came into this season, or he came into this series, this postseason series, with just 14 goals. Yeah, he's had 50 assists. I need him to score, because I need somebody to score wearing a Nashville uniform. And last night, it just started to roll downhill. You give up those first couple of goals. Before midway through the first period, you're already looking at a two-goal deficit. It becomes three relatively quickly. The Stars are just pouring it on at this point. They're hanging on the rim, just dunking all over Nashville. 
this was a night where it was over. At 2 nothing, you could have argued pull Pecorine right there and put UC Soros in. At 3-0, it wasn't even close. You had to pull 35. 35 needed to get the old 86 last night. Maybe you shouldn't have even played. Maybe you should have rested him. But the way he played in Game 3, I can understand why you would keep him in net. Because he's been great in this series. But last night, as bad as Ben Bishop was in Game 3, Pekka was worse, and he got absolutely no help from anybody. And it was it was tough to watch, quite frankly. And so Laviolette said, I don't think that our guys weren't ready to play. I think the circumstances got us, and it was 4-0 quickly. And at that point, you're chasing a big lead. There's definitely things that we can do better with regard to how we execute on the penalty kill or staying out of the penalty box, but I don't think it was the lack of our guys being ready to play. I think we fought 5-on-5 the entire game. That's the way it played out in the first period. Okay, you fought 5-on-5, but you didn't have much 5-on-5 before it was completely out of hand. And while we're talking about it, Tampa Bay Lightning had a historically great power play during the regular season, and then I think they were 1-for-6. They didn't even get many opportunities against the Columbus Blue Jackets in, in round one with their sweep exit, but they were putrid. The Preds' power play has been a disaster all year. And I don't understand what we're watching. When I watched the Flames and the Avs last night, the Avs' power play was a thing of beauty late in that third period to tie that game end up sending it to overtime. The passing, it was crisp, it was quick, it was aggressive. I mean, Nashville loses possession of the puck on the power play more often than not. There were a couple of shorthanded chances last night. One in particular where, boy, it sure looked like the Stars were about to score one man down on the ice. I don't know who is in charge of the power play on this coaching staff. I really don't. I don't know who really that falls to. But I can tell you this. Going into the playoffs, every expert, everybody that covers this team on a daily basis said it's too late to fix this. It's unfixable right now. If that's true, and I can understand it being true at this point, it's, it is what it is, which is a terrible phrase that means nothing, and it's a cliche, and it basically is a meaningless tautology. But whoever it is that's responsible for the power play that we're seeing right now might not need to be responsible for anything regarding the Nashville Predators next year. I don't love calling for people's jobs, and I don't know who this falls to, but this thing is untenable, it's unacceptable, and if you can't score on the power play, if you can't even possess the puck when you have a man advantage, you're not going very far. I don't care how great your goaltender is. And I asked Alex Doherty yesterday, who's the leader? Well, we sure didn't see the leader last night, but I can tell you who the leader definitely was not, Matthias Yekholm. This dude has fallen off. He had a decent season. You liked a lot of what you saw from him. This playoffs, he has been so bad that every time you see him on the ice, you just roll your eyes waiting for him to do something else either wrong or half rear-ended. There has got to be a sense of urgency for this team. You're up two games to one. You have a chance to put a stranglehold and step on the throat of the Dallas Stars, go up 3-1, come back home, finish this thing, get an extended time off. The NFL draft is next week, and then you can come back fresh. And instead, it's 2-2, and it's best of three, and the Stars have outplayed you on the ice for most of this series, and they have the momentum. And Bridgestone is not this air of invincibility that it used to be. They're not afraid to come here and play. 
They won game one. You had to win in overtime in game two. You're not necessarily afraid of their building, but they're not afraid of yours. This is not what it was a couple of years ago. Maybe this crowd is going to show up big time and we're going to see a completely different atmosphere and this one will intimidate the Stars. And maybe Ben Bishop's going to have a repeat performance of Game 3. But I can tell you this, the Predators better not have a repeat performance in any respect of Game 4 or they're going to have to win two in a row to stay alive in the playoffs. We are pretty likely to see both number 1 seeds go down in the first round of the postseason. So that leaves things a little bit more open. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. If Nashville gets through this series, do you really buy into them, regardless of who it is they see next, whether it's St. Louis or Winnipeg? They've been so inconsistent all year round. You can't trust them. They have actually felt a lot more like the Tennessee Titans than the Nashville Predators that we know and love. And again, I know this sounds harsh, But when you get absolutely just embarrassed last night in Game 4, and when you basically don't even show up, and when you seem like you're skating at half speed compared to every other playoff game, I'm sitting there watching Toronto and Boston for a time last night. I'm sitting there watching the Avs and the Flames, and all of them seem to be skating circles in terms of speed faster than what I'm watching on FSTN. I don't know what's wrong here. But what is it going to take to wake this team up and realize, hey, we've actually got to go ahead and play three periods pretty hard every single game because Dallas is not going to hand this thing to us. What does it take? And there were other people that thought, you know, this was not that important a game. Like, it was just one game. That's what Roman Yossi said. Roman Yossi said, we're definitely angry about this one. Everybody's angry. I think it's normal after a game like that. But that's playoffs. It's one game. But we're definitely angry about it. It's one out of seven, Roman. This ain't the regular season. It's more than one game. It tied the series. It's now best of three. One game sounds real nice in baseball when you're playing 162. Or in the NBA when you're playing 82. One game in the NFL of 16 is 116th. This is 17th, Roman. That's not what we want to hear from you after that game. We want to hear, yeah, we're angry. We stunk it up. We're going to get better. They are outplaying us right now, and we've got to do this thing right, or we're going to be sent home. One-seventh, Roman. I'm not great at math. That's why I'm a radio host for a living. But one-seventh ain't one-eighty-second. It's not one-one-hundred-sixty-second. One game in the NFL can mean everything. One-seventh of a postseason game or of a postseason series? That's huge. I could actually bring it up on my phone right now and tell you exactly what the percent of that series is. I'm not going to try to do math, but it's somewhere around 13 point something, I think, of the series. 13% is not one game. You didn't show up last night. Nobody did. This was a bad effort. And yeah, I sound like I'm ticked off because I'm ticked off because it's got to be better than that, right? If you can't score on the power play, then you definitely can't get a bunch of cheap penalties early in that game. Put yourself behind the eight ball against a good defensive team, a top five defensive team in the AHL, and expect you're going to be able to come back from that. Because it ain't going to happen. Just because you're the Nashville Predators and you've been the bell of the ball to some extent around the the NHL for the last couple of years as you've sort of built up from nothing into something really special, and because Nashville's gotten behind you, and it's Smashville and all this kind of stuff, like it's great to be a Nashville Predators fan, and it's great 
to be a member of the Nashville Predators organization. I get that. But you've still actually got to go out there and win friggin' hockey games. And last night was a losing effort, period. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. So, win $1,000 four times a day. 8 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m., and 5 p.m. The $1,000 payoff on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us on Twitter at jmartzone. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. I know that sounded harsh in the first segment, what I said about the Predators. And I'm not going after those guys individually. I'm going after their performances. That's what I'm paid to do. That performance deserved what I just laid out in that first 15 minutes. Ryan Johansson was asked after the game, so what needs to change? What's going to happen over the next three games? And his response was, be the better team. We're going to be the better team in the next three games. That sounds great, but I need Ryan Johansson to actually do something before I care what he has to say about it. Like, why did it take this long for you to say, okay, now we're going to be the better team for the next three games? If you were the better team last night, if you had showed up with a sense of urgency, maybe you're up 3-1 right now. You probably should be down 3-1 right now. If it wasn't for Pecorini, I mean, your defense in Game 3 was bad enough that you could have lost. Peck is standing on his head, giving you 40 saves, and Ben Bishop picking a terrible night to have a terrible night. That's why you were able to win Game 3. It should probably be 3-1 stars right now. And so there is hope here. 2-2 is actually a gift. It's best of three. And yeah, I think the Predators have the more talented roster. Unfortunately, what I think and what you think when you look at them on paper, it has nothing to do with what we're seeing on the ice. And we're not seeing anything of note consistently from guys like Granlin and Kyle Turris. It's just, I don't know what to say anymore about Kyle Turris. Ekholm has got to turn it around. Ryan Ellis has been completely unimpressive as well. There's a lot here that needs to be fixed, and this is not really the time of year where you can fix things. So they've just got to show up and play like they know they can play over the next three games, and they'll win this series because they are the more talented team. And they do have the more seasoned goaltender, the guy that I would trust more over these next three games because he has so much more playoff experience. But this thing ain't ordained just because they're the Predators and they're the team with more experience and this and that. Dallas wants to win this series, and they're outplaying Nashville. So if if this is what it took to wake them up, okay. It should not take a single game to wake you up in the playoffs. Everything is so important. That's why it really just got my ire that Roman Yossi said, this is just one game. We're angry, but it's one game. It's one out of seven. If you're lucky, if you're lucky, you've got three more to play unless you win two in a row. If you give up two in a row, then you're done. One-seventh is not like one game in the regular season. So that bothered me. 16 games on the NFL schedule. The... 2019 schedule was released last night. If you saw, I did kind of a periscope for 104.5 Zone on our official Twitter account. Just a a knee-jerk reaction. I'm going to kind of rehash some of that for you here. And the preseason is the preseason, and it's bookended by two road trips on Thursdays. August the 8th and August the 29th at Philly, at Chicago, respectively. And then you've got New England and Pittsburgh coming here on Saturday the 17th, Sunday the 25th. And then you get to the regular season. 
and there's one primetime game, and it's Thursday night football against, you guessed it, the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is still an example of the NFL wanting to take two teams that don't draw much from a national perspective and get them out of the way off of Thursday nights because you have to put everybody there once during the season, so we're going to put them together and knock two birds out of here at one time as opposed to having one week where we have a Jacksonville game and one where we have a Tennessee Titans game. But if you look at the remainder of this schedule, at Cleveland to start is intriguing to me because Cleveland is one of the teams that has the most buzz going into the season. We don't know how the draft is going to play out, but we do know Odell Beckham Jr. is there. Kareem Hunt obviously won't be able to play in this game, but he's just added more intrigue to the situation. Freddie Kitchens, who knows whether or not he's going to be a good head coach or not, whether he's going to be able to manage the personalities of guys like Odell and certainly a Baker Mayfield. They've got a young, talented defense, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett. They're a team that many believe can win double-digit games, and I think they'll be the consensus, maybe not the consensus, but they'll be the majority pick to win the AFC North. I don't know if I can go there because there's too many unknowns about that team. And everybody is counting Pittsburgh out because of all the drama. But it seems like they got rid of all the bad guys. They got rid of the bad seeds, the me-first guys. And Ben Roethlisberger might just try to show up and prove that he was the star team. And if he does, look out, because that guy can go for 5,000 yards. But we'll see. But the Browns-Titans game, that's going to be a tough test on the road at the dog pound. A very hopeful fan base up in Cleveland. And it will be a test. And we'll see what Baker Mayfield has got. And, you know, we'll see what the Titans look like by the time we get there. But that is a good first game because people will take note because they're watching the Browns. They're not really paying attention to the Tennessee Titans, but the national side will pay attention because it's Cleveland, and Cleveland is going to be one of those. You'll expect them on the first page of the national newspapers or at ESPN.com. It'll be over in the headlines, generally, because the Browns have so many factors that make them intriguing. Then you go Indianapolis, Maybe you can finally beat Andrew Luck. You get him at home early, week two. Then at Jacksonville, so two of your first three are division games. At Jacksonville, we'll see what Nick Foles looks like by that point. That's the Thursday night game. Then you go to the Falcons. That'll be a test for the secondary. That'll be a test to see if there's a pass rush generated. Whoever the Titans draft next next week, they, they have to address the pass rush, whether they address it with the first pick or whether or not they address it with... The second pick that they get, I think they'll probably address it at 19, but we'll see. But Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, that's a super talented offense, and it's in their building where they tend to play really fast and get the ball downfield pretty quickly. Buffalo is Week 5. Buffalo is one of the two games you look to last year and say, that's probably why we didn't make the playoffs, and that was an inexcusable loss. You went to Buffalo after some impressive wins, and laid an egg and lost to Josh Allen. At Denver, Denver's always a very tough place to play. Because of the altitude, if you're not used to the altitude, shortness of breath, fatigue is a factor. It's why Denver usually has an advantage at home, because they're used to those elements. The same reason the Nuggets generally play so well at home, because other teams tire out inside the Pepsi Center, because they're just not familiar with, with what their body is going to give them and how it's going to react to that setting. So that won't be an easy game. Plus, it's never easy to play in Denver. Then the Chargers come to town. 
That's the other game, along with Buffalo, that you look at and you're just like, boy, missed opportunity last year. The end of that game in London, the play call that we talked about for weeks, whether you go for it, whether you kick it, there were a number of things that went wrong there late in the game. You could have won that game, so you have a chance at revenge against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. They'll probably win a lot of games, and then, unless you're foolish, you will pick against them in the postseason because they're the Chargers, and that's what they do. They fail in the postseason. Then Tampa Bay comes to town. Number one and number two picks, assuming Mariota is healthy, assuming Winston is healthy. They're two guys that right now there's a question mark next to their name as it relates to what they're going to be in this league. And as long as they've both been in the league, that's really kind of an indictment on both of them. It's something you should know right now about those guys. And maybe you think you do know. I'm going to watch Marcus Mariota this year, and I'm going to give him, I'm going to let him try to impress me. Or just sell me. Right now, I am not sold on him. I would not pay him. But, if he's able to get through the season and he plays well and this team takes strides in his second year, and what we see from Smith, the new offensive coordinator, works, maybe I will reevaluate. I am not burying Marcus Mariota right now. I'm just saying... I don't think he's the guy, because we're still asking if he's the guy this far into his NFL career. So that's halfway through the Titans season. We will talk about the second half of the season, including two awesome MVP-level quarterbacks that will be coming to Nashville, and you definitely would rather have them in your building than have to travel to play them in theirs. So we'll talk about that coming up. Reminder. 104.5 The Zone is going to be all over the NFL draft next week as it's here in Nashville. Nissan Stadium, the Skirmerhorn's even going to get into the mix, and of course, down on Broadway. Our fine partners making it possible. Our coverage brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, Ford, Sprint, and Ferguson Bath Kitchen and Lighting Gallery. With many locations across the state of Tennessee, Ferguson Bath Kitchen and Lighting Gallery, they are your destination for appliances, including the efficient Whirlpool-connected steam wall oven. Admission's going to be free downtown to a lot of what's going on. Limited seating. There's going to be some VIP out there as well, but there's going to be some cool music as well. CC Winans going to do the national anthem, and they announced, actually, I got an email this morning, Moon Taxi, who is out of Nashville as well, a band that I went and saw on New Year's Day, and that is a story, folks. That story of me going to see them on New Year's Eve this past year is going to be one that I really look forward to telling you on this radio show. But Moon Taxi, that's really cool that they're going to get to do that as part of opening the activities on Thursday. The draft experience is what's going to be free. It's a three-day football festival, parking lots, areas surrounding Nissan, Football fans, it's going to be Nirvana for you, basically. Open Thursday and Friday from noon to 10, Saturday from 9 to 6. Skirmerhorn's going to have Selection Square, which is where the tables with reps for each team is going to be making the selections. Tim McGraw is going to have an outdoor concert for free on Friday. Dirk Bentley on Saturday at the main NFL draft stage on Broadway. And, of course, there's a draft itself. There is so much going on in Nashville right now. Hopefully the Predators are still going to have a season by the time this thing gets here. All right, when we come back, we'll look at next season for the Titans, the back half of the schedule with some intriguing matchups. More of my thoughts coming up. The Big Six rolling along here on a Thursday in Music City on 4.5 The Zone. 
Hey, this is Mike Vrabel, and this is my draft day story. Wait around late into the night, 91st pick. There was only a few after me on that first night, and I thought I was going to go to bed not being drafted. But uh, ultimately, uh, with the uh, good old-fashioned compensatory pick, the Steelers uh, took me with the 91st pick, and I was excited to join the Roonies uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The 2019 NFL Draft, coming April 25th on the home of Titans Radio. 104.5 The Zone. What's up, folks? Welcome back. Jason Martin here with the Big Six, as always, on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. You can comment there. Kind of running through this Tennessee Titans 2019 schedule that was released last night. I'll talk some more about the NFL's schedule itself, like some of the other big games and some statistics in the final segment. We went through the first half of the schedule. We also talked some Predators off the top. If you missed any part of this show, podcast us, man. I mean, you can subscribe absolutely free. Your podcast catcher of choice. Consume this show however you want, whenever you want, 24-7, 365 on your schedule. Just search The Big Six with Jason Martin. While you're there, search The Pop Six with Jason Martin. And subscribe to all our Zone podcasts. Everybody's doing a great job. And if you're not in your car 13 hours a day and we don't expect you to be or near a radio, we try to do anything we can to make all of our shows available to you. And we appreciate We really do. I, I know... I can speak for everybody. We really appreciate all that you've given us, all you've done for us. We, you know, we look at this Leukemia Lymphoma Society Man of the Year campaign that Jonathan Hutton's in the middle of, and you guys have really, really outdone yourselves in terms of your time and your generosity and so many things like that. We appreciate it. Tonight's going to be a one-of-a-kind event. I'll be on hand, heading there as soon as this show is over for an evening with Amy Adams Strunk with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. Hopefully there will still be some food by the time I get out there to the bell tower, but that's going to be fun. And we're one week away from the NFL draft. Our coverage, Sprint, Ford, Tennessee Highway Safety Office, Ferguson Bath, Kitchen and Lighting Gallery, making it all possible. We will have the best draft coverage. Every analyst you want to hear from next week, Rhett Bryan, that dude is working so hard right now for Titans Radio to make sure that every broadcast, and they will have one every single night, and of course, they will have live draft coverage right here on 104.5 The Zone as well. That dude is a machine right now. Truly a machine. I'm so impressed with what I'm seeing out of Titans Radio as we know how good they are, but they are really gearing up to try and make this one special. And just the the level of detail that he and Mike Keith and Dave McGinnis and Jonathan Hutton, who somehow has time to do that on top of everything else he is doing, just the whole crew, Phil Noel, Amy, everybody, just crushing it for Titans Radio. I can't wait to see and listen to what they have for us next week. They'll be in my place, and I have no problem seeding everything to them because they're going to do a fantastic job. So stick with that. So we talked about the first half of the Titans season, which ended eight games in, Tampa Bay coming to town, and I mentioned Winston versus Mariota, and those two names are, are certainly going to be linked. Now, next up, at Carolina, that won't be an easy game. Kansas City comes to town on November the 10th. That's awesome because we're going to get to see Pat Mahomes in this building. And the two best quarterbacks that came to Nashville last year, I guess you can put Andrew Luck in there, but you get Tom Brady and you got Carson Wentz here, and those were two of the best performances for the Titans all year in front of their home crowd. They will be psyched up to play this game. I don't know if they can beat the Chiefs, but watching that Chiefs offense against the Tennessee Titans defense, 
that'll be a hot ticket. And hopefully the Titans will be in a good spot division-wise. Their record will be good. So it'll be fun to watch. Then you get the bye week. If you're counting, that's 10 games before the bye. So that's a lot of action. They're only going to come back and play six games after the bye. The bye is November 17th, so pretty much right around Thanksgiving. They come off the bye, and they welcome Jacksonville, who they love to play here and usually bludgeon. Probably will again, although we'll see if Nick Foles changes what the Jags' offense looks like. I tend to think he will not. I think he's good for maybe a win more than what they already had. He's better than Bortles, but he's not a starter. He is a backup quarterback disguised as a starter. Did two road games. December the 1st at Indianapolis. That will almost assuredly have division championship implications. At Oakland. Oakland, just like Cleveland. Those are the two teams that are, if there was a TMZ for the NFL alone, if there was just a tabloid for the NFL, the two teams that would be at the top of that list right now, probably Oakland and Cleveland. A lot of volatile personalities and potential problems in Cleveland. you got Antonio Brown with John Gruden and Mike Mayock and a bunch of draft picks that Oakland's going to use next week. And who knows, maybe they're going to make some other huge splash and grab a quarterback. There, There is a lot to watch in Oakland. I don't know where Oakland will be on December the 8th in terms of the AFC West and the AFC playoff picture, but that will be, I would say, a pretty fascinating matchup. And then two of the last three, you play the Texans. Remember, I haven't mentioned the Texans yet. You get Houston at home on the 15th. Then you get the Saints coming here. So you're going to get Drew Brees and Pat Mahomes in your building. New Orleans is not the same team on the road that they, than they are at home. So if you really had it your way, one of the four teams that you have to play in the NFC South that you would want in your building, the Saints are at the top of that list. At Carolina, I'd rather play Carolina at home than Tampa Bay, but we'll take it. You get the Saints and the Bucks at home, you go to Carolina, you go to Atlanta. And I think you probably definitely would rather have Atlanta come here than Tampa Bay too. But getting the Saints here, that could be a winnable game, and it depends also on how good that division is as to whether or not guys might even be resting because that's the next to last game of the season three days before Christmas. And then you finish up at Houston. And that could, just like last year's Colts-Titans game, be for the division. I don't anticipate it will be because I think Indianapolis is going to have too much to say about it and will not be out of it by that point. And this, of course, is all dependent on injuries. But at Houston, it's going to be big. I would say the Titans will not have a playoff spot by that game, but that game could determine whether they get in as a wild card. I'm not going to pick them to win the division, but I think they'll probably have an outside shot at the wild card. Unless there's just disaster somehow that we don't see coming if everything is aligned and people stay healthy i like that i'm not going to give you a record right now we've got to see the draft we got to see what the teams are going to look like but from a schedule perspective only one prime time game and paul kaharski actually tweeted this out last night and paulkaharski.com is already a really good value for titans fans he does a great job covering this team. He truly does. But I can tell you this. What he said last night and, and what he contextualized was worth the price of subscription alone. The Cardinals had the worst passing offense in the league last year. They got one primetime game this year. The Bills were 31st. Zero primetime games. Dolphins 30th. One primetime game. Titans 29th. One primetime game. 
in 2019. So the four worst passing offenses in the league have a combined three primetime games this year. And I would say the Cardinals have one because you have to have... Well, the thing about the Cardinals is if they take Kyler Murray, that makes them more interesting. And they've got a new coach, and so there's a a couple of storylines there that might be worth following. But if you look at it, it's also teams that don't really move the needle nationally. Tennessee, Miami, Buffalo, Arizona. Not saying they don't have great fan bases. We know that here in Nashville. But nationally, it's not going to do anything for the ratings. Ever. Pretty much ever. So there's a lot to look at there, but the four worst passing offenses, not going to be featured in primetime much. This is a passing league. It is a quarterback's league. If you don't have a superstar at quarterback, the NFL is not going to pay that much attention to you when it comes to setting up Monday night football and Sunday night football. And you can't really blame them. Because with the exception of NBA players who don't wear helmets, and who you can see everything they do and everything they think on a basketball court. They are your real celebrities in sports. NFL quarterbacks are second on that list. And college football coaches are right there with them. So if you have a marquee quarterback, if you've got Aaron Rodgers, you're going to put Aaron Rodgers on TV. If you've got Aaron Rodgers against a good defense like Chicago, even if Mitch Trubisky's not going to move the needle, you've still got that. But if you've got Pat Mahomes and Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers... And whoever else you want to put in that list, Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson. There's a lot of marquee quarterback names. Tennessee doesn't happen to have one at this juncture. And this will be the year whether or not he's back. This will be the year that determines whether or not he's actually going to become that guy or the Titans are going to have to go try to find a marquee guy. I sense I already have that answer, but I'm going to give him a chance this season to prove me wrong. But the Titans' schedule, opening with the Browns. The Browns a four-and-a-half point favorite. It started at three-and-a-half, and it's already a four-and-a-half. The draft may change it to some extent. But that's an intriguing first game on the road for the Titans. And a lot of division stuff right at the end, including at Houston to finish the season, which you have to think that's probably going to determine a wild-card spot, maybe. I'm feeling fairly optimistic right now about the Titans. Ask me again in a couple of months. We'll be right back. Big Six rolling along here on a Thursday, 104.5 The Zone. Download the... Want to catch The Zone on the go? Download the iPhone or Android app today. Download it now at 104.5thezone.com. with tonight, Big Six, 104.5 DAZN. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. I will have a show tomorrow. I've had five this week because I'm going to have none next week because of the NFL draft. I will tell you though what I will be doing. We are going to take a, a little bit of a hiatus from the Pop Six with the draft and everything that's going on. It's just it's adding too much. So our office finale is probably going to be not next week, but the week after. But I'm going to write some stuff including my Avengers in-game review Decided I'm going to go to Atlanta, actually, and screen this thing on Tuesday as part of a press event. Um, So that'll be something to look forward to already. Maybe workshopping a couple of other articles as well. But no Pop 6 for the next couple of weeks. But we'll all be so focused on the draft that it'll be a nice thing to be able to get back to once we figure out what all these teams look like and certainly what the Tennessee Titans look like. Our show is brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate. Renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. Well, Jason LaCanfora is at it again, saying, hey, looks like uh, Jeff Fisher's on track to become the new head coach of XFL Houston. So, at Coach Jeff Fisher responds, at Jason LaCanfora, false news that I am headed to XFL Houston. 
Maybe get better sources. Have a great Thursday. He also had a laughing sideways emoji in there as well. Now, here's the deal. Maybe he would end up there. Like, maybe he would get there. And maybe this is just sort of saying, eh, I don't really feel like talking about this right now. But, I mean, it's not like Jason Lockhamphora hasn't been wrong about people that have been tied to this city and this NFL franchise, right? This isn't really my wheelhouse. It's PK, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. I don't know if Jeff Fisher's going to end up there either. I just look at XFL Houston and I say, whoever's going to XFL Houston, lease don't buy because it ain't going to be a long time down there. I am on record. Two seasons, if the over-under is a second season, I'm not so sure. Maybe if Vince just wants to keep on spending a ton of money. But our appetite for mediocre second-tier spring football, thats a way, and that's what it is. And people don't really think about it hard enough. They're like, oh, I want more football. No, you want more NFL football. But you're not even watching the Cardinals. You're not watching the Bills. You're not watching the Dolphins. You lament that. You go on social media and you talk about, oh, this Thursday night matchup is dreadful. Who would watch this? Okay, fair enough. I agree with you. But if you're not going to watch that, then how are you going to sell me that you're going to watch three guys that you know of on either XFL team or when it was around the AAF and make me think that that's viable? That was my whole argument. We think we want a ton of football, but we want great college football and great pro football. We don't even want mediocre of either. Like, I can sit down and I can watch any two teams play college football or two teams play NFL, but at some point it gets to be baseball and watching nine innings of teams that you're not invested in at all. Like, the only time where I'll watch just about anybody, at times, I won't sit there and watch three periods, but I'll sit there during the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I can put almost any game on and watch at least a little bit of it because it's interesting and it's exciting, and usually it's razor close and guys are going all out. There are even NBA games. I mean, think about this. The Milwaukee Bucks are the number one seed in the East, and they were on NBA TV last night. TNT had a doubleheader. The number one seed in the East was not even there. Boston was on last night in that slot. Milwaukee won. They have one of the two MVP candidates in the league in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And that dude was on NBA TV. Meaning a lot of people didn't even get to see the number one seed in the East play last night. Market size matters, folks. It matters big time. Here's something else that's funny. LeBron James is not in the playoffs, right? That's not necessarily funny. I'm not joking at his expense. The Lakers are a disaster. And in this last few minutes, I want to talk about the fact that it came out yesterday or over the past few days that, you know, Ty Lu was one of the guys that they were looking at bringing in. Of course, Ty Lu was the coach when Cleveland was able to beat Golden State a couple of years ago. He ended up also having to leave due to anxiety issues last year. But he's a friend of LeBron's, and LeBron respects him. LeBron's not going to allow himself to be coached by anybody. I'm not even sure he's going to listen to Phil Jackson if they were to bring in Phil Jackson. But there was speculation and reports coming out of Los Angeles that the Lakers kind of weren't sure about bringing in Ty Lue because that would give LeBron James too much power. Uh, excuse me? If you didn't want LeBron James to have too much power, then probably don't sign that guy because he's going to bring everything with him. The point is, he's worth it because you got a shot at winning a championship if you have him on your team. And you're going to have everybody's attention on you because he sucks up all the oxygen and the carbon dioxide in the room. So you get both. You get a guy that doesn't really want to be coached, but you get 
one of the greatest stars in the history of the game, probably the second greatest player in the history of the NBA, and a dude that moves the needle. But if you don't want him to have power, who do you want to have power? Because the one thing we've seen from the Los Angeles Lakers is that Jeannie Buss, who has not taken nearly as much as she should, it's like she doesn't want to hire anybody she doesn't already know. So she's looking at you know Lakers and people that have been in the organization. They need to go outside the box. I mean, Nick Saban didn't have a tie to Alabama. That's worked out pretty good. Like, you go outside the box. Eventually, you're not going to find the dude in your fraternity that you want to run your company. Like, your best friend, like your friend group, whoever they are, your sphere of influence, the people that you care about, are those the guys you're going to hire for manager just because of that? No, you're going to hire the best guy for the job. And the Lakers have the worst. This is a stat for you on the way out the door. We don't even have to play the music. The Los Angeles Lakers, over the past six NBA seasons, have not made the playoffs. They also have not just a bad record. They have, if you cumulatively add it all up, the worst record in the NBA over the past six seasons. The Los Angeles Lakers. And this is in a league that also has the Nets, the Knicks, the Magic, all of these teams that we have not seen do very much of anything. And now a couple, we're seeing some resurgence in Brooklyn and uh, in Orlando. The Lakers, the face, one of the most valuable sports franchises on earth, regardless of sport, the worst record over the past six years. I don't think you can give LeBron too much control. You brought him in because what you were doing wasn't working. And I think he can kill your team too. And he can certainly cause chemistry issues. And he doesn't really want to be coached. But you better bring in somebody he respects. That hadn't happened yet. We'll see you tomorrow. Fox Sports Radio is next. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. Saying goodnight.